You're all very welcome this morning. Another day of our convention. Shall we just lift up our voices together as one and begin to thank God for what God has done over the period for what God will do today. Father, we exalt you. We magnify your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your glory. We magnify your holy name. Blessed be your name, King of heaven. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' holy name, we are praying with thanksgiving. Yes, you are very welcome again to a new day. Shall we just, um, now we are, we are uh, much more, um, more of us have arrived. I want us to thank God together uh, for this meeting. Thanking God for what God did. Just give God the praise and honor and glory. Father, we thank you so much. Thank God for what God will do today. We have been receiving some impartations from heaven. Today will be a knockout. God has been building us day after day. On the third day, He shall perfect us. Bless the name of the Lord. Glorify Him for all that He has done. We magnify the O God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' anointed name we are prayed. I'm going to call Pastor to lead us in the first prayer today. Pastor Anima, please. Praise God. First of all, I want to say a big thank you to Daddy and Mommy and the leadership of the prophetic ministers and here in London, for giving me this uh, privilege to take this part of the of the service to this. Um, I want us to open our Bible to Second Timothy, please, for the first of the two prayer topics that I'll be giving. I will start from verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in presence of many witnesses, Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in, in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the recruiter. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Here, Paul is, was admonishing uh, Timothy concerning ministry. Timothy was a young man without much experience, if experience at, any experience at all in ministry. And he was telling, admonishing him, uh, encouraging him, telling him that uh, you are coming into the ministry now, but you have to be strong. So don't rely on your, but don't rely on your own strength. You have to be strong in the grace of God. 
and uh, uh, not, in, uh, not in your own strength. He was advising him that he was pre-warning him that in this thing that you are going into, in this work, that is going to be a suffering. That is going to be like today, some of us, we don't want to suffer. That is why some people, they cut corner. They take the short cut, the fast lane. So to, at this morning, but it says, if we want to partake in this calling, to work with God in the vineyard, we, as a good soldier, we are soldiers being enlisted into the army of the Lord. For this end time, he says, we should not be concerned in the things of the world, but we should rather focus on things of God. Because as an athlete, he likens us to an athlete as well, that we cannot run the race only but according to the rule. If you start and you cross, jump into another person's lane, and you finish first, the person will be disqualified. So Paul was warning. So I want us to pray this morning to ask God, Father, I surrender my life to you. This work that you have called me to do, I cannot do it on my own. I need your strength. Strengthen me for the journey ahead of me. Shall we begin to make it our prayer in the name of Jesus? Our Lord and King, we give you all the praise. We thank you, O oh God, for your calling upon our lives to partake in the things of your kingdom. You have, O oh God, called us to into the ministry for the reconciliation of the entire world. And we know, O oh God, that we cannot do this alone. This is what you are just telling us. We cannot do this alone. Everything that we have, our gifting, our strength, our knowledge and understanding of the world, whatever we have comes from you, O oh God. And therefore, we commit our life to you. We ask you, O oh God, for empowerment that can only come from you. We ask you for the strength to run the race, O oh God, that we may please you, O oh God. Father, we ask you, O oh God, to help us to focus on you and you alone, O oh God, to follow your own way. To follow your own rule. Not to do it our own ways because we want to please you. You created us to please you, O oh God. Father, so help us to please you, O oh God, in this journey. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, most especially in this last day, in these evil days, O oh God, that as you walk as a good minister, some people are going faster than you. And uh, if, if care is not taken, you will go back and try to, to follow people. And you don't know how they are making it. Father, as a group, as prophetic voice, help us, oh God, to stand in this evil day, oh God, in the name of Jesus, so that we may, we may be able to please the one who has called us, our Master, Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the praise this morning. We magnify and glorify you. It, was, it has always been, oh God, our heart desire to please you. Father, help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, download us with all the asthma of heaven that we need to succeed in this, in this calling. In the name of Jesus. And we need, oh God, all the resources that, oh God, are needed to run the race, oh God, as you have described it for us, prescribed it for us to run. To you be all the glory. To you be all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. The second 
My second prayer topic will be taken from the same chapter. Verse 20. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 20. It says, Now in a large... 20 to 21, I beg your pardon. Now in a, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver bowls, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable, for honorable use, some for dishonorable. So if anyone purify himself from any dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the, another version says, meat to the, to the master prepared for every good works. Hallelujah. The work that God has called us to, to work with him uh, is, is, is a good work, but it's tough. Hallelujah. This call for consecration. We are, we are now in the time, incubation time, so to say. It's time for preparation. With this, uh, what is happening around us, not only COVID-19, but the result of COVID-19, the effect of COVID-19. Uh, we know that something from the prophetic words that we have been receiving from our Father and from other prophets around the world, we see, we know that tough times are coming. This is evil time, and we need to be prepared. Something greater than this that we have seen is coming. We need to prepare. It's a season of change. It is a season of change. Somebody asked in a meeting, he said, if you are given two more years to live, or 15 days to live, how will you live your life? Are you going to continue the way you have been living it? Or you will change your lifestyle. So I want to say to us this morning, I want us to go and pray. Father, help me to consecrate myself. To set my, myself apart. God is not, come, is not going to use any, anyone who, who, who does not have time for him. He's going to use those one who are well prepared. Who are fit for the battle. It is going to be a tough time. Shall we pray in Jesus' name and ask God, Lord, help me to set myself apart. Help me to live my life according to your will. Oh God, to please you. Shall we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Our Father and our King, once again, we come before you, God. Father, we surrender our life to you, God. In the name of Jesus, we ask you to purge us of anything and everything, oh God, that will, oh God, uh, uh, that is in our life that, dishonor, that is dishonoring you. Anything in our life dishonoring you, oh God, purge off of it completely. Anything that will make us to be unfit to stand before you, purge off of death completely. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, purge us of anything that will, oh God, uh, uh, deprive us of Entry into your kingdom, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you, oh God, to help us. To help us to live our life for you. Focusing on you and you alone. Never to be distracted from what is happening around us, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Everything that we need to cut off, let it be cut off, oh God. 
everything that we need, oh God, to move away from. Give us the grace to move away from them. In the name of Jesus, to live our life holy, oh God, unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, help us, oh God, that our word will be like your word. People will hear you and it will be like they are hearing Jesus. Then people will see us and they will see Jesus. Help us to be a true expression of your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, help us to love one another, to love people who love us, to love people who hate us. In the mighty name of Jesus, our surrounding, all the neighbors, Father, help us to love them. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we give you all the praise for by doing this, people will know that we are truly your children. In the mighty name of Jesus, it is going to be tough, but oh God, the, uh, some people say, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Father, help us, regardless of what happened with this COVID-19 and, 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 and beyond, Father, help us to stand. In the mighty name of Jesus, to concentrate ourselves to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords. Blessed be your name, O God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. You are very, very welcome. Thank God for the messages you have heard today as you are praying. And I want to remind us, let us put our heart into the prayer, because as you pray, you receive unction from God. Now, I would like to uh, bring in um, Pastor Dwight Norman, who will lead us in the next prayer. Good morning, all. Uh, good morning, Apostle Reverend Omar. Good morning, PBM ministers and um, all of us who are joined here today. I am thankful for this opportunity also for, for us to really come together to pray concerning our lives and what God is requiring from us or saying to us at this time. I'm going to take my prayer point from the book of John, um, chapter 20, um, and I'm going to focus on verse 1 to 15, but I won't read the entire chapter. Now, most of us, I'm sure, would, would, would be familiar with this, you know, portion of scripture because it talks about the resurrection and uh, the discovery of Jesus, um, not in, no longer in the, in, in the tomb. So verse 1 says, early in the, the, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the, the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. And I'm just going to jump down a bit further to verse 10. No, I'll read from verse, sorry. Verse 8 here says, Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. And verse 10 says, Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, from verse 11, it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated with Jesus' body, where Jesus' body had been, one on the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
who are you looking for? And I'll stop there. Now, you know, from as I read this portion of scripture, there are a few things that I I noted and I felt, you know, it's important that we as believers pray about. But um, as I said, we are familiar with the story, but there's something here what we saw from verse 1 or verse 2 that Mary said that they have, when he told the disciples, they have taken the Lord from the tomb and we don't know where they put him. And in verse 13, when the angel asked her which was, why is she crying, she said the same words. They've taken the Lord, and they do, I don't know where they put him. And here it is, Mary had one clear objective, that when, he, when she went to the tomb, she wanted to find Jesus. Her objective of going there was very clear. I want to find my Jesus. The other two disciples that came along, and it, incidentally were part of that set of disciples that Jesus prayed for in John, in John 17, they came along and they looked in and they were satisfied that Jesus wasn't there. They believed that the tomb was empty, as Mary told them, and they went away believing that the tomb was empty. Mary, on the other hand, having been there before, knowing, knowing that it was empty, it was empty, decided that she was going to investigate some more. And when she looked in that same tomb that they looked in earlier, she discovered something that they never saw. She discovered two angels. And when they asked her, why are you crying? She said, I'm trying, the Lord I'm looking for, they, I cannot find him. I don't know where they put him. And when she turned, she saw Jesus. So she found what she was looking for because she was prepared to investigate a bit further. And I think it's for us as believers and as ministers it's important that we recognize two things here. That one, Jesus wants us to seek him until we have found him. He said, you, if, if you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. It's so much so often that we are happy to go over the same old notes and say, oh yeah, I know this already. I've looked already. Jamaica could have said, I looked in and I saw it's empty and I'm, you know, I don't need to look again. The disciples came and they looked and they saw that it was empty. And they could have taken the same attitude. I don't need to look again. They went away believing it was empty, but Mary remained looking further. So I want us to pray today, Lord, that the Lord will give us the desire, the desire to search more, to seek more. We are coming today as a prophet, the voice ministers, and, you know, we won't get what we want from God if we, with the same attitude that says, you know, I've read the, the text last week and I know what it says. My same old notes make sense. The same way I've approached God makes sense. You know, in the beginning of the year, Apostle said to us that there are five things Apostle pointed out that God wants from us this year. One of them was talking about fear in the Lord, saying turn to God or return to God. And one of them was to say to seek him with all our hearts. So today I want us to pray that, Father, give me the heart to seek you. Help me not to settle for anything less than what I'm looking for, which is you. I won't be satisfied with what is obvious on the outside, what the eyes can see naturally. I won't be satisfied with that. Help me to seek deep to find you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for your word that says we shall come boldly to your throne to obtain mercy and find grace for help 
in times of need. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord God, that you strengthen our heart. Give us a desire, heart, Lord God, to seek you, to seek after you, not to be satisfied with just looking in and thinking, Lord God, that we have discovered enough. Help us, O oh God, that we will continue to press in and press until we've found you, Lord Jesus. Help us, O oh God, that will not have the same approach we've had yesterday, the day before, last year. But, Father, this is the year of the new beginning that, Lord God, we will come with a fresh attitude, a fresh zeal, a fresh mindset seeking you, Lord God, until we have found you, Lord Jesus. Mary, Lord God, she came to that tomb looking for you, and even though the others came and they left, Lord God, she remained until you showed up, Lord God. Help us that we will continue to seek you, Lord God. When we come to you with questions, we will not leave until you've answered us. When we come to you, Lord God, seeking answers, Father, help us, oh God, that we will not leave until we have discovered, Lord Jesus, the answers. We saw Jacob praying and he said to the angel, I will not let you go until you bless me. Help us, oh God, that when we come, Father God, we will hold on to you, we will wrestle with you until, Lord Jesus, you have blessed us, until you've answered us. Until you've shown us, my God, you, your wish, given us directions for our lives, given us directions for those, oh God, you have put on your care, given us directions for our families, showing us, my God, things to come. Lord, the Bible says that the secret things belong to God and the things revealed belong to us. Father, help us, oh God, that we will seek for the things that belong to us, Lord Jesus. And as your Holy Spirit takes from you to make known to us, Father, that we will not miss it, we will not miss out, but Lord, we will receive, Lord Jesus. Jesus, the fullness of what you have given to us, Father. But Lord, it takes a change of heart. It changes, takes a change of attitude. It cha takes a change of mindset. The mind of Christ help us, oh God, that we may put that mind on. We may put on, Lord God, the attitude that says, Lord Jesus, that we are deserving of receiving from you because we are your children. The attitude that says we are, Lord God, beneficiaries of what God has promised us. And Lord God has heard of Christ, everything that Christ received on this earth, we too can receive it. So help us, oh God, that we may come in boldly, Lord God, to obtain mercy, believing by faith that, Lord God, you want to make us make yourself known to us. You want to show us your glory. You want to reveal yourself to us, Lord Jesus. So Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you strengthen us and give us a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we bless the name of the Lord. I'll be introducing Dr. Taiwo Matthew from Ireland to take us in the last prayer before introduce the man of God. Thank you, Daddy, and good morning, everyone, and to Mommy. Um, I start by yesterday, the man of God, Dr. John Apami, gave us a profound analysis of the composition of the church of the living God today. And indeed, how he has been since the beginning of the church. In the church, he told us that we have a set of people you call the parasites, the predators, the participants, or onlookers, and the partners. But the intent of God through Christ is that all men should be saved and do the work he has predestined for every single one of us as partners of the kingdom. 
So in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10 says, For we all are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. And these classifications of different people, we will see as well that one of the greatest apostles in the scripture was once a predator. And I'm talking about Apostle Paul. He oversaw and presided over the execution of Stephen and the incarceration or the imprisonment of many Christians. But on his way to Damascus, in one of his trips, God met with him. And he said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 to 11, 3, 7 to 11, he said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the workings of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Now verse 10. His intent, that's the intent of God, was that now, as it is in this prophetic voice minister retreat for this 2020, through this retreat, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to all, to the rulers and authorities, and to everyone in the heavenly places, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that eternal purpose is that each and every one of us, whatever state by which we came to Christ, that we will become partners of the gospel. So, I want us to pray, this first prayer, that Lord, as you met with your apostle. And as you met with the people of old, the great men that you used, once we were blind, but now we can see. Meet with me and all of our members in our various parishes. Appear to us all and to all our members and transform us from being a parasite or predator or participant or onlookers or branch warmers into partners of the kingdom an ownership and ambassador of the gospel of our Lord and Savior. Shall we lift up our voice to the Lord? Lord, we pray the Lord Jesus that you will meet with us, even with each and every one of us as the state that we have, that we want to be like you, Jesus. We have seen our Father, his sacrifices, his resilience, his, his, his long-suffering. And so, Lord God, we look at ourselves, oh Lord God, that we want to be in that place, and in the place of Christ Jesus, so that we, as on earth, will be partners of your gospel. And all of our members, at every stage that they might be at this hour, that, Lord, you will transform each and every one to become ambassadors of your gospel, to become partners of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, and to do and complete the good work that you have prepared for each and every one of us, for that which you are predestined. And every one of us, according to how we are prayed this morning, 
we will complete the work, we will run according to the rules. So that at the end of the race, and at the end of this work, none of us will be disqualified. In Jesus' precious and anointed name, we are praying. And lastly, the second prayer is, uh, at the end of this retreat, I want a prayer to go this way. At the end of this retreat, we, and when we settle back to our various parishes, as we await the return of our King and Savior, Jesus Christ, this shall be our prayer and our testament concerning one another and all of our members. And what is that testament? The book of Philippians chapter 1, I read from verse 3. It says, this shall be our prayer. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel, from the first day until now, being confident for each and every one, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you and I will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So as we await the coming of our Lord and looking at our Father, the Father in the house, looking at his resilience, his sacrifices, his long-suffering, his endurance, his perseverance, we want to pray that, that the Lord will help us to complete the work, and this shall be our prayers, and this will be our testament concerning all our members and all the ministers that we have run a good race, and that we all shall become partners of the gospel. Shall we lift up our, our voices in prayer? Lord, we want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for the grace that you gave to the men of old, to, to our apostle Paul, to the grace that you gave to our Father. Apostle A.T.B. Williams, to our mommy, Reverend Oma, consider their resilience, their sacrifices. We can say they have followed you and they have followed Christ as we, as we also aspire to be like them and to be like Christ Jesus. And at the end of this retreat, when we go back to our various parishes, our testimonies, our testimony, our prayer shall be for our members and for every of the ministers, we be that we thank God every time we remember one another in the name of Jesus. And in all our prayer, we will pray with joy, knowing fully well that we are partners of the gospel of our Lord and Savior. And the ability to do this, the Lord will grant unto us the new heart. As the Lord changed the heart of Saul, when Samuel anointed him, oh Lord God, you will change our heart to become partners. You will change all our members from wherever state they are right now to become partners of the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For once we were blind, but now we can see. And he who sees will not stumble no more. Once we were lost, but one now we are found. And you have reconciled us back to you. The glory and the praise be unto you. And the good work that you have said before us, before time began, we will complete it. And we will say, on that day, as in John 17, that Jesus said to the Father, I have brought glory to you. On now, by completing the work that you have given me, now glorify me in your presence. This shall be our testament. In Jesus' holy and anointed name, we are praying. Yes, um, we are very gl glad and uh, grateful to God for today. 
Uh, it is my great delight to bring to the podium now um, the man of God, Dr. Akwame. I told you a little bit about him yesterday, you know, and I, I believe very much that every one of you who attended yesterday can confirm with me that my testimony of him is very accurate. The things he taught yesterday had become, you know, uh, I would say that uh, it, it had become an impressing um, uh, uh, f- uh, force uh, to waking up our memory and our understanding. And also, throughout the prayer led yesterday till today, references were made to it because it is real about the church of God and also real about what we need to do. And if you look at, as he finished speaking yesterday, all other messages that came in after him and in the evening were building up on that, on solution, 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 how you can turn all these um, four levels of people, the three levels of people that he spoke about, predators, parasites, predators, participants, and convert them into partnership. And other messages that we received after him was just talking about how that could be done. And this morning, I'm sure that God has a mind-blowing revelation for you. I told you that the Holy Spirit told me to tell you that what you can get out of this conference is determined by your heart condition. So I want to say that every one of you should approach this conference as if you knew nothing. Even in what you are going to be told, you have read it before, you have heard it before. I want to say to you that in a, in a line in the scripture, anytime you read it, God gives unfolding revelation in that same line. You will have visions and revelation you have never had before because the, the knowledge of God cannot be, cannot be explained by man. So open your hearts as we receive together the ministry of um, the man of God, Dr. I'm truly grateful for this honor I have to address God's people. And I'm praying that God's investment in our lives through our Father in the Lord and our Mother in the Lord will not be wasted. It will lead to the advancement of God's kingdom and the profit will reflect in our various ministries. Uh, I have been blessed tremendously the content of what I have had, uh, the few sessions I've been a part of, I've truly been blessed, which all of us have. Uh, My prayer is that we will not just hear these things without putting them into practice. We're aware that great, great messages don't change anybody. Great ministries don't transform anybody. It's the great decisions we make, the great decisions we make after hearing those messages that we bring about transformation. But I encourage us as ministers not just to be, but to take positive steps to put into practice what the Lord is teaching us and opening our eyes to see during these uh, ministers' retreat. Thank you very much. Uh, what I want to share today is uh, how we can change the spiritual complexion of our cities, how the Lord can use us to help change 
the spiritual complexion of our cities, our towns, all the communities where we live. It's possible. I believe it's possible. But there is what to do. So I'll mention a few things which I have found to be very pertinent that are doable and that work. Take these points and see how we can apply them in the areas where God has planted us to help change the spiritual complexion of those places. Let's pray. Our Father, we look up to you for all assistance we can get. We're asking for utterance in the Holy Spirit. And we're asking that you grant all of us a spirit of quick understanding. Open the eyes of our understanding and then grant the truth and grant reality on the fleshy tablets of our hearts and put key that will be used to help advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Now, I'll go straight away and mention the first thing that will help us change the spiritual complexion of our communities. Remember, God has planted us as the salt of the earth, as the light of the world, and our impact is meant to be felt wherever the Lord has planted us. So the first thing that will help you and I affect the spiritual complexion or the spiritual condition of the communities where we are is for you and I to walk in the authority of our divine mandate to walk in the authority of our divine mandate now god has planted you there and is giving you authority to affect the spiritual climate of the place where he has planted you i want to take a reading from exodus chapter 3 Exodus chapter 3. Now, this has to do with Moses when God was sending him to uh, confront Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 3, verse uh, 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've had their because of their taskmasters. For I know their souls. Now here it is verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have all seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Now take note of verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, and you, that you may bring my people, the Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12. And he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God 
on this mountain. Now, because it's the Lord that sent you to wherever you are, you are there with tremendous authority, with the backing of the one that sent you. God has come down. He has come down through you to bring deliverance to people. So to change the spiritual complexion of where you are, you must walk in that consciousness that you're a man sent by God. You're a man with divine backing, with divine immunity. And that your mission, wherever God has planted you, has the backing of heaven. Now, without that understanding, it may be difficult for you to affect the spiritual climate of that community or that city. God sends you there with a mandate, with authority. Authority is a right to be obeyed. It's a right to make people do what you want them to do at that moment, that's authority. And as a major voice of God in the city where you are, your voice carries authority in the realm of the spirit. And you must recognize that. There is divine ranking in the heavenlies. And God has conferred on you authority to make things happen in that city. Therefore, you don't submit yourself to the threat of the demons of hell that may come against you because the one that sent you is with you. Something that has helped me in ministry over these years. I am walking in the consciousness all the time that I'm not alone, that I have divine, that the one that sent me has not left me alone. He is with me to fulfill his passion in the city where he has sent me. So if you cannot stop the one that sent me, it's not possible for you to stop me because I enjoy the full back of heaven walking through me to effect change in the city where I am. Now, every man of God, every woman of God ought to walk in authority. That you enjoy divine backing just like God told Joshua. He said, because I am with you, no man will stand before you all the days of your life. And that's tremendous authority. Because I am with you. Because I will not leave you nor forsake you. No man, no devil from hell, no territorial spirit will be able to stop you or hinder your progress wherever you are. So man of God, I want to say again, you wield tremendous authority. And God stands behind you to back up your calling, to back up your word wherever he has planted you. So see yourself as the spiritual power broker. I know that there are territorial spirits wherever you are, but you are there, you are stronger than the strong man in that city. You are stronger than the strong man in that community. God has given the right to open the heavens over that community so that there can be an inflow of God's presence. But that's one of the responsibilities we weld as people sent by God. The one that sent us will back up our words so that our words are confirmed 
with signs, wonders, and miracles. Elijah, when he confronted the prophets of Baal, said something. He said, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And after the prophets of Baal tried and tried, and they were disgraced, Elijah took over the scene, and he prayed a simple prayer. He said, Lord, let it be known that in Israel, that you are God in Israel. And then number two, that I am your prophet. Number three, that I have done all these things at your instructions. In other words, because I am a man sent by God, do something unusual, do something uncommon, do something strange, answer by fire. That is the authority of a man sent by God. You are indestructible, undefeatable, because of the backing of the one that sent you. Never do ministry without working in that consciousness. And I want to say, if God has not sent you, please don't go. Not everybody out there in ministry was sent by God. And that, that, that's why there's so much of so much of reproach today coming to ministers of God. Because a lot of people are out there. It's not God that sent them. Many of them were sent by their spouses. Spouses who felt they were anointed enough to open up a church. Some of them were sent because of offenses. They were not happy the way they were treated in their church, so they decided to go and start their own church. Some were sent because of unemployment, because of hunger. So not everybody out there is sent by God. But hear me well. If it's God that sent you, your commission comes with authority. And it's the authority that the gates of hell cannot stop. So walk in that consciousness. Every spirit defeated by Jesus on Calvary's cross will recognize your authority. And I say to you that in the realm of the spirit, all those agents of hell recognize our ranking. That's why they can make statements like, Jesus I know, Paul I know. So they have an idea of those sent by God. They recognize your authority in the realm of the spirit. They respect you. Now you've got to walk in that consciousness. How do we help to change the spiritual complexion of the cities where we are? You are not just there as a pastor looking for members. You are there as God's spokesperson, heaven's ambassador with divine backing. And your authority will be recognized in the realm of the spirit. You realize many times the salvation of the souls of men is often a clash between principalities satanic principalities and those agents of revival raised by God. It's often a clash. A clash of godly principalities and satanic principalities. Now hear me well. Regardless of the size of your church, it may be large, it may be small. That's not the issue. If it's the Lord that planted you there, and you are doing ministry the way he told you to do it, you enjoy divine backing. You divine heavens of authority. Number two. Number two. Now, see your church as a territorial church and help your members to develop a dominion mindset in that area. 
We are not doing church at the permission of Satan. We are there to dominate. We are there to assert heaven's authority. We are God's spokesperson. Wherever we are, and you know, there are very few things as powerful on this earth as the voice of God. And we are there as God's spokesperson to do God's bidding, to do God's will, to pray. Oh God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in our community as it is in heaven. Your church must assume a mindset of people that are here to take charge, to dominate, to take over. Let me say to you that for all the territorial spirits in our cities that are exerting authority over the lives of all there are also territorial churches that are meant to determine those areas. My church, your church, should conduct ourselves with the mindset of territorial churches, dominion mindset that enforce God's will. We are the ecclesia of God, and the ecclesia of God wields tremendous authority on this earth. You understand what ecclesia means? Ecclesia means the called out ones. Jesus said, I will build my church. That's in Matthew chapter 16. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I will give to you the kingdoms, I mean the keys of the kingdom of God. Whatever you bind on us shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on us shall be loosed in heaven. So the ecclesia of God, the call out one, the call out one been in use over 500 years before Jesus was born. So it wasn't a word invented by Jesus. The Ecclesia was used by the Greeks. It was used by the Romans. And in ancient Greece, an Ecclesia is a group of people called out. Now the way it works is the king sends a town crier to go to the town to call people either to the market square or to the town hall or wherever. So that when the people gather there as called out ones, they make major decisions that are binding on that community. So the ecclesia is like a legislative body. It's like a parliament that passes laws, passes rules that help to govern the society. So when the ecclesia passes a judgment or passes a law, the king stamps his authority behind the decision they make. For instance, if they decide that because of the rise in crime rate, that can be a coffee, that nobody should move in that community from 8 p.m. till 6 a.m., that is a law passed by the ecclesia, and it has the backing of the king. It's like the king sharing his authority with the called out one. And Jesus is saying, I will build my own ecclesia, my call out one. And where two or three of them are gathered together in my name, whatever decision they pass has my authority. And as the ecclesia, we have the mind of God. We know what the will of God is. We know what his word says. So we can now pass righteous decrees. We can pass 
laws in our community that heaven is going to stamp his authority on. Now that's power. That means we are a major stakeholder or shareholder wherever we are. We can affect the spiritual climate. We can open the heavens for angelic traffic. We can open the heavens for God to move in our cities. We can do that. Ecclesia is not just a group of people in a one closed room clapping hands and enjoying themselves and having fun. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's a, a group of people called by God to exercise kingdom authority. There are things to shut up. There are things to open. There are things to forbid. There are things to permit. And Jesus says, whatever you permit on this earth are things that are already permitted in heaven. Let's rise and take authority. Let's rise and take charge. Let's rise as the ecclesia of God. There are certain agents of hell that should be, you know, silenced. We should pass judgment on them. Let's silence their activities. Let's abort their intentions. Let's cancel their plans so that the gospel at the pace heaven wants it to move. That is the second thing I believe we can do to help change our, I mean, the spiritual complexion of our cities. Number one, you, the pastor, the man of God, you are there as a saint man with heaven's backing, with God's authority in the city where you are. You are there stronger than the strong man in that community. But number two, your church needs to walk in the consciousness that it's a territorial church. No, no matter what the territory is, it may be over a city or over your small community or over the entire nation. Now, you walk in the consciousness. God reveals to you the degree of your ranking in the realm of the and then take your place of authority and assert your authority over that area. Number three. And this one is a tough one. And it's often one reason why revival tarries in our cities. The third thing that will help us affect the spiritual climate of our cities for us to pursue the unity of the brethren. Unity with other churches in the city. Brothers and sisters, there is no way a divided church can stop the onslaught of a united satanic kingdom. It's simply not going to work. And Satan knows that. One of the things he does to render the church voiceless and impotent is to sow seeds of discord. If there is division in the body of Christ, and we keep knocking our heads against there is no way we can see the full expression of God's grace and power in our city. Remember, no one church can take a city. It takes all of us working together in unity, complementing one another. The grace God has not given to you, he may have given it to me. The grace he gave to me, uh, he didn't give to me. He might have given to you. But every church has a role to play. And I want to say again, it has nothing to do with the size of your congregation. 
it has everything to do with your mandate from heaven. If God has placed you where you are, whatever role you play will help the body of Christ assert its authority in that area. How we need churches to walk together in unity. I have discovered that when I grow in maturity as a man of God, I'm able to identify the Holy Spirit operating in another ministry, different from the way he's using me. I can recognize the Holy Spirit at work in that man of God, in that ministry. And I don't attack that person simply because he's not doing it the way God taught me. As long as it's scriptural, it doesn't violate the Holy Scriptures. It doesn't violate God's Holy Spirit and the way the Holy Spirit moves. Once I can identify that this is the Holy Spirit, I don't attack that minister. I don't oppose that minister. Because it's the Holy Ghost at work. John the Baptist said something. He said, the one that sent me taught me how to identify the Holy Spirit on the Messiah, the anointed one. He said, on whom, whoever I see the Spirit descend and remain upon, that is the person. That is the Messiah. Now, John the Baptist was commissioned to baptize in water. Jesus was to baptize in the Holy Ghost and fire. Totally different ministry. But John the Baptist said, anyone I saw the Spirit come on and remain on. He may be doing ministry a little bit different from the way I'm doing it, but because I can see the Spirit, He's part of the same team. He's part of the same kingdom. It's the same God that sent me that also sent Him. And there is no wisdom in you attacking somebody sent by God when you know it's the Holy Spirit at work in the life of that person. Our greatest undoing, I say this, with as much respect as, as I have for all ministers, our greatest undoing in the body of Christ is this seed of Babel that Satan has sown in our midst that has made ministers rise against other ministries out of jealousy, out of envy, that has made ministers run down other ministers Simply because God is using them different from the way he's using the other minister. Maturity is when you can identify that this is the Holy Ghost at work. Now, the key God giving that God gave to you to, 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 uh, to do your ministry and get results, maybe, for instance, to lay hands on people. And somebody else, what God told him is just speak the word. Now, but you can identify it's the same Holy Ghost. There's no reason to run them down. You know, the division in the body of Christ today is such that there is no way we can take over cities, over our communities, unless we mend those broken fences. I see so much of contention today. In fact, the, the, the body of Christ is now in camps. I hear people say this is the God of uh, A.T.D. Williams. And that is the God of Dr. Abraham. And members believe that the God of Dr. A.T.D. Williams is more powerful than the God of Dr. Abraham. And such is the childishness, the carnality in the body of Christ today 
It has stalled revival. It has stalled the move of God. It has hindered God's power from manifesting in full. We need unity, not uniformity. And not necessarily all of us are agreeing on all things, but let's agree on some of the basic tenets of God's word. We all recognize Jesus is Lord. He's the owner of his church. And we are just privileged servants doing the will of God. I saw something in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Well, let me take you first to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And here's what Apostle Paul said in verse 6. Paul said, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Who gives the increase? It's God that gives the increase. Now see verse 7. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. And see verse 7 again. That's a humbling verse of scripture. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters but God who gives the increase. Other versions will say, the one that plants is nothing. The one that waters is nothing. It's the God that gives the increase. Now, did you see that? The one that plants is nothing, regardless of the size of his church, regardless of the scope of his ministry, he is nothing. He is nothing. Is a product of God's grace, and grace gives no room for both. The Bible calls him nothing. The one who waters is nothing. So God is everything. But today, the people God said they are nothing are the ones we are promoting. There's so much of self-promotion, ego massaging. All the religious praise singers go to town. Lifting up the name of men of God when God said they are nothing. I remind you again one major reason why we have not gained as much ground as we should have gained is because of this division in the body of Christ. Brethren tearing apart each other. So our problem is not Satan stopping us, we are the ones slowing down ourselves because of this seed of Babylon. That have been sown in our midst. Now, I did a bit of medicine and I practiced medicine for some years. Those of you who are medical people know that there is a disease condition that is called the autoimmune syndrome. Autoimmune syndrome. And people that suffer from that kind of problem, it's very difficult to address their condition. And what does it mean? God has placed in our body defense systems to fight external aggression. The viruses that, and bacteria and fungi that come into our bodies are attacked by the immune system. When the immune system identifies um, a, a disease agent, either a germ, a bacteria or virus, when they identify it as foreign, they attack it. They prevent it from multiplying. 
That's what keeps us safe and healthy. Now, when the immune system goes down, then all these germs multiply and they cause disease. That's what happens in patients who have HIV. Their defense system is weak. I was talking about the, uh, the way God made the body in such a way that uh, it places soldiers in the body to fight uh, germs that attack the body. Uh, the, 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 those are the immune systems God has placed in the body. Uh, they attack viruses, attack bacteria, and prevent such germs from flourishing in our bodies, or else we'll be falling sick all the time. Now, what happens in autoimmune disease is that this body of soldiers that got placed in our, in our body system to attack alien you know, germs and bacteria mistakenly identify organs in the body as, as an enemy. So they attack those organs and destroy those organs. For instance, they could attack the liver, they could attack the heart, they could attack the spleen. Now these are organs in the body mistakenly identified as enemies. And this defense mechanism, God's set up for our protection, now become the reason why people fall sick. So autoimmune diseases are diseases caused because uh, the, the immune system mistakenly identifies organs in the body as enemies, and they attack those organs. And it's a very difficult kind of disease condition to, to, uh, to manage. So I've seen that that is a problem in the body of Christ, that what is, 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 is actually slowing us down is that we are the ones attacking each other, at each other's you know, jugular throat, trying to creep one another, trying to pull down one another, trying to you know, hinder one another. It's not the devil now. Satan just sits by the sidewalk, you know, laughing at us, and seeing believers tear each other apart. A united force, I mean a united church, is such a powerful force that Satan will simply have no answer to it. If we're going to change the spiritual complexion of our cities, God will need to help us walk in the unity of the faith. Not in the unity of creeds or unity of some doctrinal dogmas. No, but unity of the faith. Until Jesus comes, we all know in part, we all see in part. It's when we see him face to face that we know even as we are known. But for now, we are maturing. And we accept the truth that nobody is a custodian of the whole truth. We are learning, perfecting ourselves, and learning from each other. I hope that makes sense to you. you know, I remember the story of something that happened some years ago. I was rearing some turkeys that I would use during Christmas period. And one of them, uh, saw itself on the mudguard of my car, saw its image on the mudguard of my car, and thought it was another talking. And it launched such a ferocious attack against what it saw in that mudguard that looks, looked like a mirror, started attacking it until it began to bleed. Now, the talking did not know that it was actually attacking itself. 
and it did that until it injured itself. I had to rescue that turkey from killing itself because I was preparing it for Christmas. Now that is a picture of what the church is doing to itself. We are attacking each other. We are attacking the weapons of warfare God has given to me to use against the enemy. I use it against fellow ministers. I have had ministers raise prayer points that God should stop my ministry. I've had them raise prayer points that God should run me out of town. Now, I don't know what benefit they're going to get from that. But all that the church would mature. But once we come together, it's the same kingdom. It's the same body of Christ. Now, different departments, different graces functioning. But it's the same church. And ultimately, all we're after is God's glory. Not building personal empires. Not exalting personalities. Apostle Paul said, he that plants is nothing. He that waters is nothing. Regardless of the change of degrees after his name, or the size of his church, or the impact of his ministry, he is nothing. God will reward him according to his labor. But let's not succumb to some of these scorecards given to us by religious praise singers. The final scorecard will be issued by God Almighty. And religious praise singers have no idea what God has on his scorecard. Let's do our best to run our race, stay in our lane, doing what God has told us to do, doing it faithfully, encouraging others who are also sent by God to fulfill their own ministries. And together, together, we'll be able to change the spiritual complexion of our cities. Can I remind you again, no one ministry can take a city. No one church can take a city. It takes all of us working together. And when we come together, our collective voice is such, 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 such a, a powerful force that I tell you, even the gates of hell will collapse and crumble when we come together. The Lord bless you. The Lord increase you greatly. The Lord help us to walk in unity, exalting Jesus alone. You know, in ministry, I have found that when we just started, it was all of Jesus and none of self. All of Jesus, none of self. Then after a while, it becomes <laughs> some of Jesus, some of self. And then as we proceed further in ministry, sadly, it becomes all of self, none of Jesus. And nothing hinders God's power from manifesting in full as when we exalt self and personality. It's not territorial spirit. No. What blocks the flow of power is this manifestation of the flesh. Exaltation of self. Because once self steps on the stage, the Holy Ghost steps off. The two can never work together. So how do we change the spiritual complexion of our cities? Number one, you as a man of God, walk in your authority as one sent by God. You have the backing of heaven. God is going to provide all that you need. He's going to ensure you are protected and preserved. That no weapon formed against you will prosper. That is divine immunity. And it happens when you are in your proper place of calling. 
Then number two, your church is not a gathering of people within the four walls. Your church is a territorial force, is a territorial spiritual power broker that can open the gates of the city for angelic flow, just like Apostle keeps teaching us. Getting the assistance of angelic forces to enforce God's will in our communities. The number three is the need for unity. Number four, the fourth thing I'm sure would help us change the spiritual complexion of our communities, our towns, and our cities is to engage the ministry of intercessors as ministers of God. Let's engage the ministry of intercessors. What do I mean by that? Intercessors are those who can see, they can hear. They have an idea of where the cloud has moved to. They can check the spiritual climate of our community. That's the gift God has given to them. Let's maximize the use of this gift God has given to our intercessors. Many times they see what we are not seeing. They hear what we are not hearing. God reveals to them the direction the church ought to go. Reveals to them those areas in the city where Satan has mounted gates to hinder the move of God. Let's engage their ministries. Let me share a story to, with you. Years back, there was a major religious crisis in the state where I live. But before that crisis happened, God had revealed to us a principality sitting in front of the gate of our city. They call it Zaria City Gate. Sat there with his leg folded with a turban on his head. And he was counting these, these deeds. Um, the, the type they count. Is it? What, what do you call it now? I've forgotten the name. You, you understand this? Uh, is it? Um, yeah, it's this This that they count, you know, the Muslims count. And as he counted them, he waved his hands and spread violence over the city. We saw it and we began to pray. I started driving to that place in the night to talk to that principality. I knew it was there, although I couldn't see it visibly, uh, physically. I would talk to it and anoint the place. A week after this crisis struck, and brothers and sisters, it was one of the most destructive crises we had witnessed in that state. People were killed, pigs ate human bodies decomposing on the street until they couldn't eat again. But in the city where I was, there was not a cry of violence. There was absolute peace. To me, it was not coincidental. God simply revealed to us what was going to happen. The intercessors saw we teamed up with them, used our apostolic authority and stopped the aggression of the devil. And that violence did not spread across to our city. Here is another uh, testimony. Years back, if you have come to the city where I live, there was a monument they raised. It was a spear and a sword crossed. And they mounted that monument in a strategic place. As you are entering the city, you will see the sword 
and the spear crossed. And I knew it was significant. It was bearing a meaning in the realm of the spirit. So the Lord led me to that place to pray and to anoint the place. Now I couldn't pull it down. If believers had attempted to do that, there would have been violence in the city. But I spoke to it. I spoke to the powers behind it. Now what happened? On one fateful day, there was a clash between two major Islamic sects. They were holding a procession and they jammed at that spot. And violence erupted between them. And they used their heads to bring down that monument. They pulled it down by themselves. When I was driving past, I saw blood flowing. They had killed themselves on that spot. Believers did not need to raise any physical weapon. We used our authority. We challenged the principality behind that monument. And God stamped his, or, or, I mean, his signature behind our pronouncement. Again, I say to you, it wasn't coincidental. Believers can wear tremendous authority. As the ecclesia of the Lord, as a man sent by God, backed up by intercessors, we can affect the spiritual climate of our communities. Here is another testimony. One time the Lord led us to go to various hotels and hotels to anoint the entrances of those hotels, those hotels where you have all these um, loose women. We didn't go in to preach to them. We, we just anointed the frontage very quietly and spoke to the spirit behind those hotels and hotels. Now what happened? Some few weeks later, we started to see prostitutes come to our church saying they, they want to repent, they want to give their lives to, to Jesus and leave their trade, leave prostitution. Nobody invited them. Nobody preached to them. How did they find their way to our church? And all of them came in repentance, wanting to leave the trade wanted to give their lives to Jesus. And you know, when they came, we discovered that we had not made proper arrangements for their rehabilitation. It was only going to be quite expensive to rehabilitate them. So we saw that we were not really ready for them. So I had to tell my people to stop. And when they stopped, those prostitutes stopped coming. And you know what? Every one of those hotels and brothels that were anointed closed down. That is using the authority of the ecclesia. But God has given us a major voice to speak to territorial spirits and get them submit to our authority as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can affect the spiritual complexion of our cities. Now, I'm not saying that you should do what we did. I'm just telling you what we did. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit. But once he leads us, brothers, we can be assured of his backing. The final thing that I believe would help us affect the spiritual climate of our cities is to be sensitive to the opportunities God brings to us and to seize them. Because God will always bring opportunities to us. We have got to seize those opportunities. 
like you have heard several times, it's been said that opportunities often come disguised. It takes those that are designing to recognize them. Opportunities can come as challenges. Opportunities can come as a threat from the enemy. When opportunities come and you recognize them and seize them, I'm sure the end time harvest is going to come into God's kingdom. There's something I want us to see in Genesis chapter 41. In Genesis chapter 41, and the background story, there was finding all over the earth, the earth at that time, but Joseph had seen it ahead of time, and he had prepared Egypt for the uh, forthcoming, for the famine that was to come. So when the famine struck, people had to go look for food. And this is what happened in Genesis chapter 41, verse 54. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. The famine was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. So when all the land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. The famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and said to the Egyptians, and sold to the Egyptians. And the famine became severe in the land of Egypt. And look at verse 57. So all the countries came to Joseph, where? In Egypt, to buy grain, because the famine was severe in all lands. Now this is what I call the Joseph's principle of church growth. There was famine all over the earth, but there was food in Egypt. There were problems all over the earth, but there was solution in Egypt. So people had to take the pains to travel from long distances to where they could find succor. They came to Egypt because the answer was in Egypt. Now, in reference to that, Every church that God has raised in any city, God has empowered them to meet the needs of people. The grace of God upon our ministries are meant to provide solutions to a dying humanity, to a humanity famished by needs and problems. If they can find the answer in the church, they will come. They may not like you, but you have the solution they are looking for. That's why they will find their way, trace their way to your church to find the answer. Any church that can provide solution will always attract people that have the problems it can solve. So what you do is to open your storehouses just like Joseph opened the storehouses in Egypt. Joseph opened all the storehouses and people came to buy grains. Now, you know what you have in your own storehouse. I'm sure you understand my parable. You, you, you know what God has graced you to do. For instance, if the Lord has graced you to 
meet the needs of people that are physically sick and healing grace flows through your ministry, what do you do? Open your storehouse. Announce it far and wide. Let people know that that need is met in that church. And the people that have the problems that this world cannot solve will find their way to your church. If, for instance, what you have in your storehouse is training people, then open it. People who have a need in that area will come. If it's, for instance, solving family problems, we're all aware that there is famine out there. Satan is devastating homes and families. But if they can find the answer in your church, they will come. One way I believe we can alter the spiritual climate of our cities is to begin to provide solutions, meet the needs of people out there. Because the truth is this, there is a lot of famine out there. This COVID-19 has, has bashed the pride of humanity. They are looking for solutions. If, for instance, the church can provide the solution to this problem, they will come. They will come. They will come with their needs. And when they find the answer, that's going to further open the door for the harvest of this end time to come. A church that solves the people's problems will be a church that will never lack for membership. Let's open our storehouses. What I have in my storehouse may be different from what you have in your storehouse, but every storehouse enjoys corporate grace. Grace is the empowerment God gives to us to meet the needs of people. Your church has it. My church has it. The corporate grace may be different. By corporate grace, I'm talking about not the grace on an individual, but the grace on the entire church. Great grace that is upon your ministry, upon your church. Open your storehouses. Let's meet the needs of people. Years back, I had a crusade in one city somewhere. And when they were taking me to the crusade ground, I saw a lot of people gathered in a church. It was a huge crowd there. So I asked my host, what are they doing here? And my host said that Every particular day of the week, that church feeds people free of charge. Now, it's not a church that I would want to attend because I don't agree with their doctrines. But because they fed people free of charge once a week, they attracted the crowd. You know that when Jesus fed the crowd free of charge, they wanted to make him king by force. If you meet needs, people will come. If you pray for the sick and the sick are healed, the sick will come. If you provide training for the unemployed, maybe provide skills for them, they will come. What I encourage you to do, whatever you know God has placed in your storehouse, open it. Let people know that God has graced you in that area to meet needs. Don't be like somebody smiling in the dark that nobody knows what you are doing. If grace is upon your ministry to meet some needs, this Joseph's principle works. People that are ravaged by farming out there will pay the price to trace you to where they can find answers.
I am trusting the God of heaven that after this COVID-19, there will be an outburst of God's glory in our ministries. The harvest is going to come. The harvest is going to come. I believe with all of my heart that before Jesus bursts through the sky, will positively affect our communities where God has planted us. Would register impact that will not be easily erased. Why? Because we have a mandate from heaven, we have the backing of God, and we have what it takes to meet the needs of the people. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Once again, I pray that for all of us, fresh grace is going to come upon the works of our hands. That God will give us undeniable proofs for our callings. That wherever God has planted you, you raise your banner of honor and give you the honor and respect you deserve in the realm of the Spirit. That the land will open up for you and that those hard places will respond to God's grace upon your life and ministry in the name of Jesus Christ. I want us to pray. Just one prayer point. Heavenly Father, help me to walk in the authority of my calling in the name of Jesus. Let's take some few minutes and pray that prayer. Lord, help me to walk in the authority of my calling. I know you sent me. I know I enjoy divine backing. I enjoy divine protection. I enjoy divine immunity. Give me courage and boldness to assert my authority where you have planted me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. My voice will be heard in the courts of heaven. My voice will carry authority in the heavenlies. My spiritual ranking will be respected in the heavenlies. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Wow, this is interesting and great. Did God speak to you? Yes. Have you been equipped? I cannot hear you respond to me. Put your hands together for the Lord. Father, without we give you the praise and honor and glory. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Let me read a scripture to you all before we go. In line with the prayer that the man of God led us to pray, that God will empower us to manifest our grace such a way that will affect our community, affect our community, affect our city, affect our nation, exercising your authority. Well, in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, but you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses first what in Jerusalem. That is your community. Your community must be saturated before you think of going out of your community. And God has equipped us with information, practical reasoning that you can apply I believe after this um, convention, for another one, two weeks, every leader needs to go back to every message because you can see correlation in what the Holy Spirit is saying, identifying the need, telling you the way to meet the need, identifying the problem, and giving you practical solution that you can apply to the members of your churches so that the will of God, the intention of God for you and the church under your church will be achieved. Which, if every church achieved the mandate, cumulatively, God's kingdom is achieving his mandate. May the Lord strengthen and bless you. 